if I have experienced one thing, regardless of geographical boundary, wherever I had the privilege of ministering the world over, I have experienced that same thing that is deep down in many people's heart. There is such emptiness. There is such a void. There is such restlessness that in their honest moment, they will tell you there's something missing in my life, even though if they don't know what it is. That empty feeling that nothing seemed to be able to fill. They have that sense of restlessness and dissatisfaction. Right across economic boundaries, right across racial boundaries, right across geographical boundaries. I have experienced and I have seen that happening all across the world. When I talk to people, whether on airplanes or one-on-one or in functions... And whenever they open up, they can tell me that I feel something is missing in my life. I don't know what it is. And by the grace of God and the insight of the Holy Spirit, I've often been able to put my finger on it very quickly. And I can summarize it this way. If the person is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if he or she is not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they're not born again, if they're not saved from eternal hell... It is very easy for me to say to them, listen, you and I are born with sin. And that sin is separating you from God the Father. And until you come to Jesus Christ, that feeling will not be cured. If the person is a believer, and I have met many of those. And whenever they confess that there is emptiness in their life, there is that void in their life. I invariably find that it is unforgiveness and bitterness that they are carrying, whether they know it or not. In fact, that feeling is worse in the life of the believer because they ought to know better. And people cope with that emptiness and with that restlessness in a variety of ways. I have seen it. I have seen some who try to cope by burying themselves in their work and their work 24 hours a day. There are some who bury themselves in parenting of their children. There are some who try to bury themselves and travel from one exotic place to the next. There are some who bury themselves by going from one relationship to the other. There are some who bury themselves in achievements and rewards. There are some who try to bury their lives in working hard, doing good work for society so they can get society's acknowledgement and society's recognition. There are some who bury themselves in hiding away from churches that preaches the word of God, which is going to bring them to conviction. There are some who bury themselves in churches that are soft on sin and deny the cure of repentance and faith. I have seen it all. And all of this or some of this may give them a feeling of a local anesthetic. <laughs> Those of you who have experienced local anesthetic, you know what? How it feels when it wears off. (laughs) It gives them just a slight moment. A momentary relief. Well I've done this. I got this. Now I got myself filled. But soon that void. That emptiness come back again. After whatever they were doing. To bury themselves in. Do you know why? Because they do not deal. With the root of the problem. When Jesus taught the disciples. Saying. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Or as Matthew said, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. He was giving the disciples and he was giving every one of us and every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ the key to fill that emptiness and restlessness in life. 
He was giving us the key for true contentment, true joy. Not the world's joy, haha, but the real inner joy. For those who have never accepted the death of Christ on the cross of Calvary as a payment for the penalty of their sin, with which we all born, for those who have not accepted the salvation of the Lord and therefore are separated from God, they feel that emptiness and will feel that emptiness until they reconcile to God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. For Christians who have accepted forgiveness of their sins, who are saved from hell and damnation, who are on their way to heaven, they're going to experience this emptiness in a far worse way if they do not prepare their heart to receive on a daily basis, daily forgiveness from the hand of the Lord. And the way you receive daily forgiveness, by daily willing to ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Matthew, a good Jewish thinker, he knew that sin is a debt toward God. It is a debt. For believers, his or her eternal debt is paid once and for all. He can't do anything about that anymore. But our daily sin incurs daily debt. And that will not affect your salvation, but is going to affect your relation with the Lord. The best example that I can think of, I can illustrate this to you from the Word of God, is John chapter 13. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 13. And there you're going to discover that the Lord Jesus put a towel around his waist, and he began to wash the disciples' filthy feet. Peter Refused to let the Lord wash his feet. I suspect that he, a little bit like me, I would not mind washing anybody's feet. But oh, I have a dickens of a time having somebody else wash my feet. Man, Peter said, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. And that's exactly what I would have done. (laughs) How could the Lord of life wash my feet? There's no way. What did Jesus do? First of all, he said, listen, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. I know you don't want me as the Lord and the Master to wash your feet. You do not understand what I'm doing right now. But the time is coming when you will understand it, when you be able to comprehend it. But that didn't do the job. (laughs) Peter still did not want the Lord to wash his feet. So finally, the Lord said to him something that got his attention. And I want you to listen to it very carefully because it's of uttermost importance. He said, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you will have no part with me. (laughs) So Peter went to the other extreme. He said, man, no, no, no way. Not only my feet, give me a bath. All of me. And here's what the Lord said to Peter. He who is bathed need only wash his feet because he's completely clean. What is Jesus saying? He is saying to those who are already saved... That they're going to still get dirty feet as they walk in this world. Those who already committed their life to Christ are on their way to heaven. They're not going to lose salvation. But they're going to get surface contamination of sin. They get an outer layer of dirt when they walk through life. 
And I want you to really hear this. If you are saved, you cannot get eternally dirty again. You cannot get permanently defiled again. Why? Because you are permanently washed and cleansed. Because you are positionally purged and regenerated. And that does not get repeated. But the practical purging is needed every day. Not once a week, every day. Why? Because every day we fall short. I fall short of God's perfect holiness. The person who feels no need for confession and forgiveness on a daily basis, I want to tell you right now, listen to me, I personally doubt your salvation. I doubt that you're born of the Spirit of God. And what you need to do today is be born again. Because when the Spirit of God comes and dwells in you, He's going to convict you on a daily basis. Listen, as judge, God is eager to forgive repentant sinners. Oh, but as Father, He is more eager to forgive His children, to keep on forgiving His children all the time. Listen, asking for forgiveness implies confession. Feet that are not presented to the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be washed by Him. Sin that is not confessed cannot be forgiven. And that is why 1 John 1.9 is a conditional clause. Those of you grammatarian or grammatists, it is a conditional clause. If we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You don't get it automatically. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses them will find mercy. Here is the clincher. There is a prerequisite for receiving daily forgiveness. There is a prerequisite for receiving daily forgiveness. What is it? As we forgive others. That's the prerequisite. Listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Forgiveness for salvation of your soul is freely given. There are no probational time. There are no tests. There are no time waiting. Forgiveness for salvation of your soul is graciously offered. It's all of grace. You did nothing to get it. You freely received it. You freely were given. But daily forgiveness, on the other hand, has a condition attached to it. When God the Father forgives us, it is absolutely imperative that we forgive one another. If you think that I'm going to stand here and tell you that forgiving others is a piece of cake. If you think I'm going to stand here and tell you that forgiving those, especially those who falsely accused you, those who maliciously abused you. If you think I'm going to stand here and tell you it's easy, I would not be telling you the truth. But what I can tell you is this. You do not have another option but forgiveness if you are a child of God. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is it so hard to forgive others? (laughs) Have you ever asked yourself, why do we have so much trouble forgiving, especially those who have wronged us? Why do we harbor grudges and, and animosities? Why do we allow bitterness 
to take roots in our lives. Why? And these, we know these bitterness not only cripples our character, but it twists our personalities. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever got an answer? But you know, even more importantly, have you ever asked yourself, why do we do this, having a hard time with it, when we know intellectually, when we know from the Word of God, that it is the one thing that blocks God's blessings from flowing through us, that blocks God's forgiveness on a daily basis going coming to us. Why do we do it when we know it is such a dangerous place to be? I am convinced in my own heart that there are very few things that have short-circuited the power of the church of Jesus Christ in the world than unresolved conflict between believers. I am convinced that there are few things that have crippled our effectiveness in and for Christ in the world. Like harboring resentment and being unable to shake it off and shake that bitterness out of our heart. I'm convinced of that. And I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you this on the authority of the word of God. That the Holy Spirit cannot work freely in you and in me. If we are carrying grudges and harboring bitterness. God can do anything right. He's a sovereign God. But what you do when you are carrying a grudge. Going around with it. You are literally tying the hand of the Holy Spirit. And working in you. And blessing you. I actually have met people. Who are carrying resentments and bitterness toward others who have since been dead (laughs) long time ago. Often parents. Let me ask you again. Have you ever asked yourself the why? Why do we do this when we know that our own well-being, that our own spiritual effectiveness, that our own blessing, that our own forgiveness from the hand of God is dependent on it? The very core reason for that is pride. Pride. I am telling you, if you dig deep down, you're going to find there is a big eye that is standing like a huge steel beam in the very core of our makeup. And that steel beam refuses to budge. It refuses to bend. It refuses to be broken. Husbands and wives live in bitterness. Friends, colleagues, co-workers, oh, neighbors. All relationships can easily get into a situation where love and friendship give way to animosity and bitterness. I even heard about the pastor. Oh, yes, pastors are not immune. (laughs) I heard about the pastor in that church. They have a tradition in that church where they bring the children forward. You know, they come down and the pastor gives them a children's message. And he was going to give the children message. And that day, the message was on forgiveness. And what he did, he held up a shirt that is ugly. (laughs) And he held that shirt up and he said to the kids, he said, Now kids, somebody said to me that this shirt is ugly and it should be thrown away. Now, this really hurt me, and I am having trouble forgiving that person who said that to me, these mean things to me. So he asked the kids, he said, uh, do you think I should forgive that person? (laughs) His own six-year-old was among those kids. And before anybody had a chance to even answer, she said, yes, you should. And the pastor said, 
hoping that somebody else will answer the question. He said, but why? That person really hurt my feelings. His six-year-old, without batting an eye, she said, because you married to her. <laughs> Listen, there are millions and millions and millions of people throughout the world who rattle through the Lord's Prayer millions of times throughout the day, and they haven't got the foggiest of what they're saying. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And yet, it is the very core of the Christian faith. There are two things that I want to share with you about this part of the Lord's Prayer. Number one, when you forgive others, you are manifesting the divine nature that God has given you as born-again believer. The second thing you're doing when you're forgiving others is that you are bringing delight to the heart of God. Mark those down. Write them down. Two things. First of all, you are manifesting the divine nature. The Bible teaches us that when we become born again, when we say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes in. He gives us His divine nature to live within us, to strengthen us, to be manifested in us. Now, there are some people who think that this is sort of a a mechanical trade-off. That I'm going to say, I'll forgive so I can get forgiveness. No, it is not that mechanical. He said, forgive us as we also have forgiven others. So what he's saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, one of the signs that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the signs that God is your Father and that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. One of the signs that the Spirit of God is empowering you and living in you. One of the signs that you have that divine nature in you and working in you is that you freely forgive others. When you say to somebody who comes to you and asks for forgiveness and you say, I forgive you, here's what you're saying. You say, Lord, I belong to you. Lord, I am doing what you do. Lord, I'm trying to love just like you do. Lord, I am following in your footsteps. To manifest a divine nature is a privilege. Listen to me. It is a privilege. I'm aware of that all the religions of the world. This is a privilege that are only given to the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is incredible privilege. And I'll tell you something else about that privilege of being able in the power of God to forgive is that the more you exercise that privilege, the more you open up the possibility of God pouring His blessing in you. And the more you exercise the privilege, the more He pours His blessing in you. And the more you use it, the more He gives you. The more you use it, the more He gives you. There's one person who never, 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 never forgives. You know why? Because he never loves. And that person is Satan. The word Satan means adversary. And the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. When Satan sees bitterness and jealousy and strife, he reinforces it. When Satan sees forgiveness, he hates it. First, he attempts To mislead people and lead them into sin. And then when they get into sin, he accuses them of sin. That's Satan business. And Satan wants us 
the children of the living God to act in the same way with people the way he does. Please hear me right. When someone takes advantage of you, when someone betrays you, when someone lets you down, when someone speaks ill of you, when someone abuses your goodness and grace and your love, you have two choices. You can act like the accuser of the brethren, or you can manifest the divine nature that has become ours the day we said yes to Jesus. Somebody said, forgiveness is not something for nice people with weak stomachs. Forgiveness manifests your divine nature. Secondly, forgiveness brings delight to the heart of God. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is not easy. But there are few things that pleases the heart of God more than when we forgive. Why? Because the Lord looks at you and he sees his reflection in you. He looks at you and he sees his nature in you. He looks at you and he sees his likeness in you. It delights the heart of God. Heaven rejoices when we freely forgive those who have deeply wounded us. You know, sometimes I feel the embrace of God after exercising forgiveness like no other time. In fact, a number of years ago, there was a minister who did not believe in the divinity of Christ, did not believe in the resurrection. We basically had very little in common. And I heard that he had denounced me and my biblical orthodoxy and standing for biblical truth publicly. And he used some very interesting adjectives to to describe me. But I'm going to tell you, in all truthfulness, it didn't bother me one bit. I never lost a second sleep over it. I had no problem forgiving. But wait to the rest of the story in case you're going to say, oh, man, he's bragging. (laughs) Wait to the rest of the story. (laughs) Well, I tried to reach out to him, but in vain. And then we met in a public place. We had lots of friends with him at the table. And when I saw him was lunchtime, I went right across the table. Across the room. Now, I don't believe for a moment that he's my brother in Christ. I do not believe that for a second in my own heart. That's between me and God. But I went right over there and I put my arm around him and gave him a hug. Now, guess what he did? He stood like this. I mean, he was so stiff as a dodo. I mean, just stood like this. Man, I felt terrible. I felt rotten. I went back to my lunch. I couldn't eat. I was angry. I was gritting my teeth. And the more I thought about it, the more angry I got. And I said, I need to go over there and give him a piece of my mind. And that's exactly what I would have given him, a piece of my mind. (laughs) But I didn't. I got angrier and angrier. I could not eat lunch. As I thought about it and thought about it, Satan kept reminding me, you looked like an idiot over there, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you look like an imbecile. And he reminded me of that. And he reminded me of this. Then I was driving home. I was driving back wherever I was going. And I sat in my car. As often happened the case, I began to hear the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God began by saying, well, you sure look like an idiot over there. I said, yeah, I don't need the confirmation of the Spirit. (laughs) But then the Spirit of God said to me, 
Do you think that my son looked like an idiot when he hung on the cross for your sins? When he hung there and he looked down from that cross, did he look like an idiot? Especially when he looked at those who have nailed him to that cross and those who spat upon him and those who cried out and saying, crucify him. And he looked upon all of these people at that time and the times all of eternity and he said, forgive them. Did he look like an idiot? Oh my. Tears began to flow down my face. (laughs) I began to feel the cleansing of God from my pride. I wanted to go back and give him another hug. (laughs) Forgiveness delights the heart of God. Please listen because I'm getting ready to close. I want to tell you a few things about forgiveness. The first thing I want to tell you about forgiveness that is often a process Not just a quick act. It's a process. We keep on forgiving and we keep on forgiving until the pain and the hurt begins to go away. Listen to something else about forgiveness. The deeper the wound, the greater the forgiveness needed. Just as the doctor has to keep the physical wound in our body clean from infection... So that we can heal properly. So must we. We must keep our emotional wounds clean from bitterness. So that we can heal properly. Forgiveness keeps the wound clean. Spending time talking to your heavenly daddy. Goes a long way toward giving you the strength to be able to do what I said to you earlier, it is impossible to do in our own strength. Do you know why God loves to give you the strength to forgive? Because forgiving brings delight to His heart. And God wants to delight in you. He really does. You know, even if you listen to secular speakers and secular prophets, and they'll tell you, Forgiveness is very good for your emotional well-being. Forgiveness keeps you healthy emotionally. What they're saying is true. They know the cure. They know the, the ultimate results. But they never give you the prescription. Because left up to our own devices, our own strength, it is impossible to be able to forgive. No matter how much you try. But I want to tell you, That without the power of God the Father through the example of the Son in the strength of the Spirit, you cannot fully forgive. You really cannot. I'm going to give you a testing kit. And that testing kit is going to help you in applying that test to yourself. Ask yourself that question. When somebody's name is mentioned who has wounded you deeply, or you see that person, do you tense up? Does your heart beat a little faster? Your pulse races away? Do you feel you're grinding your teeth and your eyes narrow? If this is the case, you really have not forgiven. You really have not forgiven. You say, but I have. I know I have. I said that I have. (laughs) Well, you haven't. Here's the next part of the test. 
Can when that person's name comes up, or when you see that person, can you go to God and say, God bless them, God enrich them, God open the windows of heaven and pour your blessing on that person? Can you do that? If you can, then you have forgiven. I know this is something touch all of us. And as I'm listening to the voice of God, I know some of you are struggling with this issue. The devil always knows when I'm going to preach something that's going to bring healing to God's people. And he works his darndest. You're not going to believe this, but because I'm telling it to you, believe me. At 2.47 this morning, the phone rang. I picked up the phone. And a drunk person said, is this Michael Yusuf? I said, yes, sir. Who are you? And he told me. I said, what can I do for you? He said, I just want to see how you react. <laughs> That's it. I just want to see how you react. I said, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> You're not going to preach this stuff here Sunday morning without you already going to make sure that you pass the test. <laughs> so what did I do? I got up and prayed. <laughs> but I want to tell you as your pastor who loves you that I know that each of us will bring delight to the heart of God individually and corporately. We will manifest His divine nature when we absolutely keep those wounds clean. And if you've never been able to do that, I pray that as we pray, that you will begin the process of keeping that wound clean. And don't allow bitterness to build. Shall we pray? Lord, I have very little to say except this, to thank you. To thank you that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, it would have been impossible to ask for the strength to forgive. Father, I pray that we would be known as forgiving people. Not compromising people, but forgiving people. Father, I pray for each person who has stood as a testimony to the company of heaven, that they will be strengthened by you, empowered by you, in ways they don't even know possible. And oh God, I pray that you will remind them on a daily basis that this is a daily privilege and a daily exercise. We bless you. We thank you. There are many times I feel that the word thank you is so anemic, Lord. But Father, as we stand here today, we bless the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.